Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast, brought to you by Flowpath. I'm your host, Griffin Hamilton. This is the show where I interview industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights into modern day facilities management. From hospitality to commercial real estate and everything in between, we'll learn what it really takes to succeed as a facilities manager. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Today, I am pleased to have Amin Najjar. Amin, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. Recovering from a long weekend over Memorial Day weekend and uh, glad that first thing this Tuesday morning, hop in here and uh, really talk about uh, what you're doing in facilities management, which I'm really passionate about this topic of decarbonization. Uh, personally, I have a degree in environmental science, and that's been uh, something that I, I veered away from uh, getting into facilities management. It's kind of come full circle. Uh, so I'm really excited to have you on. But before we go into the uh, the weeds of the conversation, I want to tell you the audience a little bit more about who you are and what it is you do. Um, okay, so um, I need the, uh, a part of the business for Veolia. Veolia is, is uh, one of the biggest uh, environmental companies in the world. And uh, we have solutions for water, waste and energy. Uh, I lead the energy business uh, mainly for, for buildings and, and, uh, and uh, industries. So this is the, the area I work for. And it's mainly to reduce uh, greenhouse, uh, greenhouse gas emissions and water footprint for our client while uh, really keeping their uh, sustainability and, and uh, you know, uptime as well. It's very important for our clients uh, to, to, to make sure that they, uh, the resiliency of, of their, uh, you know, facilities. Yeah, absolutely. And so this, um, uh, this should hit near and dear to everyone listening. So, yes. um, well, how, uh, well, how did you get to facilities, facilities management? management uh, because facilities management is, 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 is a big word and it's, it's a big word, actually, not word. So uh, anything that fits uh, to serve the client, usually it's under property management or facilities management. We are specialized in operation and maintenance, digitalization of buildings. Uh, so in essence, we, we fall under the hard services uh, is the right word for it. Um, and this is where we, we uh, use our expertise in operation and maintenance technical capabilities, digitalization, in order to make sure that uh, the premises or the buildings are, are efficient. And what, what did you do prior to leading the charge here at Veolia? What, how did you get into facilities management? What is your personal background? Uh, I'm an electrical, electrical engineer, uh, and I have an MBA in finance and management. I started in construction and uh, I prefer to work with people rather than, than you know, <laughs> construction materials. So I moved to facilities management uh, back in Lebanon, and then I moved to Dubai. Uh, and I spent uh, around 18 years between Dubai and Qatar uh, managing uh, huge properties, uh, digitalization, uh, and, uh, and mainly facilities management and hard services. Yeah, I then I moved to the U.S. with Veolia. Uh, and now we're doing also, uh, you know, utilities management and and uh, facilities management, hard services for buildings. Got it. Uh, and so, what the main theme of this episode in particular, as I mentioned earlier, is decarbonization, which can be a big, scary word. So why don't we start high level and explaining it and simplifying it, uh, and then we can get to the weeds here of the tactics and strategies around decarbonization. 
um, decarb again, uh, the sentiment is, is, is moving uh, towards decarbonization, uh, everything that is environmental now. Uh, so Veolia did uh, what we call the barometer for, uh, for ecological transformation, uh, where we asked, uh, I think, 200,000 people around the world what, the, what they think about, uh, you know, decarbonization, what's happening uh, with, with the, you know, the, the environment around us. And I would like to share some uh, really crucial uh, numbers uh, for the U.S., and if you go on the Violi website, you can download the whole, uh, you know, report regarding U.S. and the world. Uh, but let's tackle some some figures for the U.S. So, 61% uh, of the people, you know, uh, approached in the U.S. think we are, uh, um, you know, uh, vulnerable uh, to cli climate change. 86% uh, are anxious. Uh, about what's happening around us with the weather and the climate change and, and you know, uh, about the future. 25% said they are putting off uh, future plans, like having kids, uh, because of this, uh, this anxiety. 64% uh, uh, believe that uh, the scarcity of the resources and pollution will affect their health. 55% uh, convinced that we need to do something and we, we need to use technologies to battle this climate change. Uh, while 5 out of 10, so 50%, are ready to adapt to 95% of the requirements that we are talking about in order to reduce uh, carbon footprint and, and water. Uh, the most important thing is that 60% still believe that this change uh, is still within our hand and it will cost way more uh, not to do something rather than to, to start investing in our environment. So this is high level numbers. Uh, the anxiety is there. People want to be more green. Uh, they are more uh, anxious. Uh, it's just one stress to add uh, on, on everyone's life. Yeah, yeah no kidding. <laughs> I think well, what's interesting about those numbers is it wasn't just it, it, like it hit home, right? Like the 25% uh, is it that are putting off these major life decisions like having kids because of this anxiety. Like, yeah. That isn't, it's not just a, a political or, you know, obviously it's environmental, but it is, it's personal, right? Like this it's is an personal. issue that it impacts us all, not just nine to five, but in our entire lives and, you know, our kids and the next generation. And so that is uh, interesting to, to see that sort of feedback there. It's, it's profound. It's affecting everyday life. Uh, this is for sure. And the figures are, that I shared is for the U.S., but it's similar all over the world. Pretty consistent around, yes. uh, around those trends. And so another big takeaway from that is just the urgency, right? Where it's not just urgent for the environment, but from a financial standpoint, you mentioned that it is going to be significantly more expensive as we continue to push off taking action here. And so... Having an understanding of the current climate, if you will, of uh, the sentiment around decarbonization and the environmental factors out there, what are what are you doing in particular? How are we prioritizing uh, addressing this, and how are you in particular addressing this? Um, so again, Violia is is the biggest environmental company in the world. We're, we're around two hundred twenty thousand employees. Uh, worldwide, so it's like a small country, <laughs> uh, and we have a lot of expertise. Uh, we have uh, we, we tackle municipal uh, clients, uh, big part. We have industrial and uh, commercial uh, clients like buildings. Uh, 
buildings emit between 10 and 30 percent of, of the CO2 or greenhouse, uh, greenhouse gas. It depends where you are. Uh, but it is one of the main uh, emitters. Uh, in addition to, to, to the cars and travel uh, uh, that people have to take in order to go to the offices, this, this number will, will rise. Uh, our approach uh, follows three steps. Uh, reduce, produce, and source. This is when we are talking about utilities uh, and uh, operations. Uh, the first part is to reduce, because we always say the cleanest energy, the cleanest utility is the one that we don't use. Uh, so how do we reduce it? First, we connect uh, the property to our hub grade. Hub grade is our digital suit where we can monitor, we can even control, we have our uh, AI uh, uh, systems that can study uh, how every building is, is operating and, and we, we truly understand that every building is, is, is like a, a live uh, organism. Uh, so even if two buildings are exactly the same, they don't act the same because of the people that use it. So we understand how, how the, the, the building is, is operated and uh, uh, then we, we use our operation and maintenance uh, capabilities uh, in order to make sure that uh, it's uh, it's efficient. Uh, we start by re recommissioning just to make sure that the building is still operating based on, on design. Uh, we repurpose uh, some areas, we retrofit uh, old technologies with new technologies. We connect, as I said, to our hub grades through IoT and we use our, um, you know, uh, capabilities to, to study and, and reduce uh, whatever uh, utilities is, is being used. Uh, this will increase uh, the, the, the efficiency of the building, the reliability as well. Uh, we're moving from uh, corrective and preventive maintenance, so based on time to, to, to live uh, requirements through condition-based maintenance, uh, because we're connected to, to these systems and, and we can understand them and we can, I don't want to say predict, because predict is a big word, but we can understand what's happening and then we can act before it happens. Mm -hmm. uh, so in essence, we are uh, we have KPIs about uh, comfort, uh, uptime, uh, and and uh, cost efficient, uh, and of course uh, environmental friendly. Right. Uh, yeah. And and on on that to to interject quickly, you mentioned all of these different technologies that are are being leveraged, and it's. The whole point is to capture data to then take action on it, right? And that's one of those things where it's we, I believe, uh, all are on the same page that re reduction to reduce your output there is certainly a priority. But how do you reduce without measuring, right? You don't know what to reduce if you're not capturing that sort of data. And I think that's the the critical component there. Uh, at least yes. step one is to start capturing those different data points. You need the baseline. <clears throat> so, so where we are right now, in order to make sure that, because all of our clients have big, uh, big aspirations, uh, reduce fifty percent by twenty twenty three or twenty or twenty thirty, uh, net zero by by twenty fifty. But you need a baseline, and this is where our technology comes and our capabilities to measure scope one and two and and maybe three for our clients and start action it. Uh, and this is where retrofitting comes as well. So after it's operated very, very well uh, and efficient, uh, retrofitting uh, with, with, again, cost-efficient uh, cost uh, solutions uh, with a return on investment between five and eight years where we retrofit systems, uh, put new technologies. The technologies are, are really uh, moving fast. And as we said, 55% of, of uh, the, the U.S. 
think that technologies will play a big part in, in, in our uh, carbon reduction. Uh, so installation or, or retrofitting uh, with guaranteed return on investment based on uh, reduction of utilities. Uh, and, and this is where uh, this is the first step reduce. Uh, and it's not, uh, it's not, uh, it's only the first step. Then we move to produce, and this is where microgrids play uh, play uh, their part. So electrification, so uh, you know, uh, solar production, maybe wind if it's if it's capable, or uh, or any type of uh, you know biogas. Or so we produce green utilities, uh, water reuse as well as 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 as, uh, as a part of of production. So we make sure that. Uh, all green utilities that can be produced on site is produced. So we reduced the, the consumption, we produced uh, whatever we can. If it's now, uh, uh, if we can produce enough to, for, for the full uh, requirement, it's good. Then if not, then we move to step three, which is source. And this is where we, we sign uh, power purchasing agreements or, or water purchasing agreements, but green, uh, green uh, utilities. Uh, to close the gap. Interesting. And and so those three components, I think you could break that down and that's that can translate across different industries, no matter the building size or the campus size, right? Yeah. It, and it, so, it doesn't matter what industries or what type of client, again, because the first step when, when you connect it to, to, to our IoT, to our hub grade, we understand the building. So mm-hmm. as I said, the building is, is, is different. Each, each building, each property is different. And this is why it's very important to connect, understand, set a baseline, uh, study the requirement, what do we need, uh, where we are now, and where we need to be, and, and, and uh, the road, or uh, the road to, to uh, maybe triple zero uh, is our target. So uh, zero greenhouse gas emissions, zero uh, water footprint, and zero waste to landfill. Love that. And, and with, with that, I think a listener, as you're taking this in, you know, those three components, it's simplifying what can be a very complicated and daunting task of just reducing this carbon footprint. And we all have these initiatives and there's financial um, incentives out there, but it could, like I said, be very complicated and daunting task. And this simplifies that. And do you feel yes. as though that methodology like the foundation being the reduction and just capturing said data? It is. Again, simple is not easy. And a lot of people, uh, it doesn't. It, we have to differentiate. A simple process is a process that is clear and we can set it and, and, and build it together. It's not easy because it needs a lot of data and connection. And, and you know, you have to sell. Change is, is, is really difficult. Uh, and people uh, approach change in, in different mentalities. So not only you have to manage the property, you have to manage the people that uh, honestly operate and, and, and live in this property. So, so change is a little bit uh, uh, tough. Uh, the good thing is that um, 64% or uh, 64% of the people we, we, we spoke to are ready to do uh, the change and they, can, they are re- even ready to, to, to deliver 95% of the change that is required. So we, we still have the 5%, but people are, are starting to, to really uh, commit uh, to this change. Um, yes, it is simple. Uh, it's not easy because you have to be connected with all kinds of technologies and really to understand what is the technology that best fit or the solution that best fit 
this property and how it's being utilized. And, and with that, what's a good first step someone could take? <laughs> because that, this is something where it's newer in a lot of facilities out there where we're kind of changing that, that mindset of, you know, we're keeping the lights on, we're making sure everyone's safe to now being proactive and having a direct financial impact by reducing energy consumption here. But uh, it's not an overnight success. It's going to take time, but it always starts with step one. And so what could that step one be uh, for a facilities manager? Um, the first step is to connect it uh, to to uh, to a platform that that, that delivers the, the baseline. So to understand where, where we are, uh, so our hybrid will will assist uh, clients to to really understand the baseline and how this property is is utilizing uh, uh, utilities, uh, how it is consuming utilities. Uh, operation and maintenance is a very next step uh, that that needs to be delivered. Uh, in order to, to, to start with the efficiency of the building as is, it has to be maintained properly and it has to be operated properly. And this is where our technical capabilities uh, as facilities managers of hard service uh, plays. So, so FM is very important in, in really operating the building at a high level of efficiency, uh, connecting it uh, to a platform to understand where the ba baseline is and what's affecting uh, the consumption as well, because if it's live, every action you do will, will really be recorded and you can understand how, how it's related to, uh, to decarbonization. And as you do, as you implement uh, betterment or retrofit, uh, it can easily be uh, what we call measurement and verification. Uh, you can verify that this action is really uh, reducing cost uh, and it, it has a proper return on investment. Uh, what we also uh, do is we help our clients get, uh, you know, financing for these kind of uh, projects, either from uh, grants or, or from uh, financial institutes uh, in order to deliver this, this kind of uh, projects so they can uh, focus their uh, investment on, on their business. Yeah, and you mentioned return on investment. That's going to perk up a lot of listeners here because at the end of the day, as you propose this type of initiative or these types of projects, there's got to be that type of return on investment. So what can, and this is going to vary, this is a loaded question here, but what can one expect when you embark on this type of journey? What can one expect on that ROI? It depends. Again, there are low-hanging fruit that everyone is doing at night, changing lamps, uh, you know, uh, but, but usually when you package it, uh, there are some uh, conservation measures that will, will take 10 to 15 years to, to, for, a, for a return on investment, and some are two to three years. So what we do is we package it as a solution. It's usually eight years, five to eight years for, for return on investment uh, with an increase in, in availability and, and uh, sustainability. So it, it pays uh, and also comfort. Uh, so all the KPIs are, are going to be better. Uh, not only the, the utilities part. Yeah, and, and that is something where having at least that expectation, because there's many people where it's, you know, they want to flip a switch and that ROI be there immediately. Uh, but at least understanding that this is going to take time and it's going to take persistence as you continue to roll out each new initiative uh, that aligns with this type of strategy. I mean, these initiatives are, are important right now because it, it increases reliability. Mm -hmm. uh, it increases health and safety. 
it increases comfort for the people who are operating or are working inside those uh, premises uh, and it, it, it reduces uh, utilities cost. Um, so it's, it's a win-win situation, four wins if you want, uh, <laughs> in the four quadrants of, of any KIIs or, uh, you know, uh, it, it, fits, it fits them all. Yeah. And you, you just briefly touched on it too, but not only is it a financial ROI, but I mean, just the environment. And I imagine the culture as you continue to, uh, again, just have these slowly rolling out these different initiatives, it's a culture change and a culture shift. And uh, from the going back to the statistics you listed out earlier, uh, we're in the majority uh, on the same page and just being arm in arm in this, uh, I'm, I'm sure has uh, indirect uh, impacts that are going to be seen uh, throughout the organization. Yeah, and, and people are ready to to do this uh, this change. Again, it's a positive change uh, to to live and uh, with one with the environment. You know, so so it's not uh, it's not something negative at all. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, this has been great. I know there's a, a lot of. A lot of content here for a facilities manager to digest and some great takeaways here. Uh, but before I do let you go, I have one last question I ask everybody, and that is who or what has had the biggest impact on you and your career? Um, who? Uh, there, there are a lot of people. Again, uh, we're all connected in one way or another. Uh, it starts with the parents. So my mom had a big impact on me. Um, and uh, then every single uh, person I worked with, uh, it's it's double impact. Uh, people are, are connected in ways that uh, you cannot put it on paper. Uh, and your your journey is is the people you work with and the people you, you meet. So so every single person uh, affected uh, who I became, in one way or another. It, it takes a village, right? That's, it that's takes incredible. a village, yes. Yep. Yeah, I love that. Well, hey, once again, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to uh, sit down and, and uh, talk shop here today. Um, I'm going to put a lot of content in the show notes and link out to the different uh, statistics you listed out here earlier today. Uh, but once again, thank you for taking the time. And until next time, be good. Thank you, Griffin. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and follow us on LinkedIn for more facilities management content.